0: welcome back everyone to tonight's video we are starting off today with a park ranger story where he worked at a special location for endangered species supposedly then for our second story is about this young 14 year old child who runs away from her weird ass parents right and what she encounters will shock you then for our last story we have a father who is going on a solo camping expedition And ends up walking off the beaten path. Camping out solo overnight. Expecting to return back to his family the following morning. But by the next morning, he wakes up to a completely new location. And he is not alone. Stay tuned. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. Click on that bell and smash that thumbs up and tell a friend. I work as a park ranger. I don't think we are preserving any known wildlife. It's already been two weeks since I've gotten a job as a park ranger. It was an isolated area meant to preserve possible near-extinction species as they have no more than a dozen left alive. I remember when I first applied. They made sure I went through enough training to prepare both physically and mentally. It was a very tough job according to my supervisor and would possibly include killing poachers if necessary. Of course, I wasn't sure if it was acceptable to do that instead of just arresting them, but the site was pretty much far away from any possible city, so I didn't complain and went along. Everything seemed normal at the first days on the shifts. The same patrol around and made sure everything is being preserved and protected from poachers, you know, the usual park ranger duties. That is, until the 11th day, when I got called in to do the night shift, as the guard assigned to it got into a trouble accident on the way home and broke his leg. Being someone who took the job seriously, I agreed to it and stayed for the night shift. My supervisor went to me and explained what to do, since it was different from my usual daytime shifts. Since it's your first time in this position, I could assume you're not used to this role, right? He asked me as I geared up with the night shift tools. Yes, sir, I'm not used to working this light, let alone on the dead of the night. But I've got confidence that I could do it until the other guy recovers. I answered, being a little nervous but keeping my stance. He pulled me aside before I was about to start and explained to me what I had to do and what to expect in certain situations. All right, here are some of the basics. If you hear bone-cracking sounds, ignore them. If you hear metal rustling, turn off your flashlight. And if you hear voices calling for you that aren't coming from your radio, shoot your gun to scare them away. Do I need to repeat anything? He asked in a serious way. N- no, sir. I understood everything. If you want, I could even grab a note if I forget. I answered, a bit nervous after his explanation. Good, I'll be reaching out to you from time to time to check. And as he said that, he walked away. Now I'm alone and fully geared, I start the patrol. I was supposed to head to the north zone of the site and make sure everything was in order. The moon was shining bright and everything was quiet and eerie. Not even owls could be heard. Everything was dead silent, save for my footsteps and the voice on the radio from my supervisor. As I was already midway on the path, I started to hear the metal rustling nearby. So as instructed, I turned off my flashlight and waited. It was obviously too dark to see, but I could make out a silhouette that somehow resembled a wolf with something on its back. But it quickly ran off, and I turned on my flashlight again to keep moving. I was approaching the location. I heard the same voices I was told about, My supervisor, who also could hear it from his radio, instructed me to fire my gun. But as I was about to do it, I realized I didn't load any bullets and I noticed the voices were getting closer, but they started to fade away into the darkness. It was tempting, so despite my supervisor telling me to proceed, I went off the path and followed the voices. That's when I found the source. It looked vaguely human. But its skin was so melted that it looked like clay. It was hard to hear, but I could make out some words it was trying to scream. Help. Please. Help. I beg you. It hopelessly tried to say. I just stood there frozen, and when I turned my flashlight up, I noticed the wolf thing. It was five foot five in height, if I had the guess. It had metal tendrils coming out of its back and it just stared as it pulled the melted humanoid body as it continued to beg for help. Without any choice, I ran back to the path and kept going until I reached my destination and found my supervisor waiting for me. He pulled me inside the radio building and quickly shut the door. "'So, what did you find on the way?' He asked while panting and shutting the door. "'What do you mean? I could have died because of that thing. Was it always here on the site?' I yelled while trying to get answers. He just shut me off and explained everything to me. This place had more dangerous species that were largely hunted across the globe, so they were brought here to be kept. I was still confused about the situation. Why would they want them alive? Are they really that important? The next couple of night shifts were much quieter, but from time to time, I would see that wolf thing, ...or another weird animal that I couldn't make the details. I'm not sure what this place really is... ...or what they are, the things living within the area... ...but I know one thing... ...those monsters were better off contained. I lived in the woods until I was 14... As a 14-year-old girl living in the woods with my parents, I've always felt a bit isolated and disconnected from the rest of the world, but I never could have imagined the horrors that would unfold on the night of the blood moon. It started out like any other evening. My parents and I were sitting around the fire, roasting marshmallows and telling ghost stories. But as the night wore on, I started to feel a strange energy in the air. The air was heavy and thick, and I could feel a sense of unease creeping over me. As the moon rose higher in the sky, my parents began to act strange. They started yelling at me for no reason. Their faces contorted into grotesque, unfamiliar shapes. It was like they weren't even themselves anymore. I was terrified, and I knew I had to get out of there. I grabbed my backpack and ran as fast as I could through the woods, not looking back even once. I don't know where I was going, or where I was going to do when I get there. All I knew was I couldn't stay with my parents on this night of the blood moon. I have to keep running no matter what. As I ran through the dark, twisted woods, panting and gasping for air, I knew I had to keep moving. I couldn't stay in one place for too long not with my parents lurking somewhere behind me, their faces twisted in those grotesque, unfamiliar shapes. But as I stumbled through the underbrush, I suddenly collided with something hard and unyielding. I fell to the ground with a cry of pain, my backpack tumbling to the ground beside me. As I looked up, I saw a shadowy figure looming over me. At first I was terrified, thinking it was one of my parents coming to drag me back to our twisted little campsite. But as the figure leaned closer, I saw that it was a man, a kind, middle-aged man with a gentle face and piercing blue eyes. "'Are you okay?' he asked, offering me a hand to help me up. "'What are you doing out here all alone in the woods?' I hesitated for a moment, not sure if I could trust this stranger." but something about his kind eyes and gentle voice made me feel like I could. So I told him the whole story, about the blood moon, and how my parents had turned into monsters before my very eyes. I know it sounds crazy, I said, my voice trembling, but I swear it's all true. The man listened intently, nodding his head as I spoke. When I finished, he patted me on the shoulder and said, Come on. Let's get you out of here. You can stay with me for the night, and we'll figure out what to do in the morning. I nodded, tears of relief streaming down my face. For the first time in what felt like an eternity, I felt safe. As the kind stranger led me through the woods and out onto the main road, I couldn't help but feel a sense of hope and relief. I was finally going to get help, and maybe even find a way to escape from my monstrous parents once and for all. But as we approached the city limits, I started to get a strange feeling in the pit of my stomach. The streets were deserted, and the buildings around us seemed abandoned and decrepit. It was like the whole city had been forgotten by the rest of the world. The man led me to a large, crumbling building on the edge of town. "'This is the mental health center,' he said, as he opened the door and gestured for me to go inside. I hesitated for a moment." Not sure if I wanted to go in. There was something about the place that seemed off, almost as if it was haunted. But the man insisted, and I knew I had nowhere else to go. So I reluctantly stepped inside, my heart racing with fear. The inside of the center was even creepier than the outside. The walls were peeling and the floors were creaky and uneven. It was like no one had been there in years. Don't worry the man said, sensing my unease. The staff here are very experienced. They'll be able to help you with whatever you're going through. I nodded, but I couldn't shake the feeling that something was very wrong. I knew I had to find a way to escape before it was too late. But as the days passed, and I was kept locked up in that creepy abandoned building, I started to wonder if I'd ever make it out alive. I had to find a way to escape, before it was too late. Two nights after I arrived at the mental health center, I woke up in the middle of the night with a fierce thirst. I had been having trouble sleeping, and my mouth felt like it was full of cotton. So I crept out of my small, dingy room, and made my way down the dimly lit hall to the communal kitchen. I was hoping to find a glass of water, or maybe even a bottle of juice if I was lucky. As I approached the kitchen, I noticed that the door was slightly ajar. I pushed it open, and a wave of musty, damp air hit me in the face. The room was dark and shadowy, the only light coming from a small window high up on the wall. I made my way over to the sink and turned on the tap, hoping that the water wouldn't be too rusty. As I waited for it to fill up, I suddenly heard a noise behind me. I spun around, heart racing but I couldn't see anything in the darkness. I was about to turn back to the sink when I saw a shadowy figure standing in the corner of the room. It was tall and thin, with long spindly arms and a featureless face. I froze, too terrified to move. I knew I should run, but my feet felt like they were glued to the ground. I was trapped with no way out. As the shadow figure advanced towards me, I closed my eyes and prayed for it to be over quickly. But just as it reached out to touch me, I heard a loud crash and the room was suddenly floated with light. I opened my eyes to see the shadow figure disappearing into the walls, as if it had never been there at all. And standing in the doorway, bathed in the light of a flashlight, was the kind man who had brought me here. Come on, he said, taking my hand. We have to get out of here. This place is not safe for you. I nodded, tears streaming down my face. I knew he was right. I had to get out of this creepy, abandoned mental health center no matter what. As I sit here at my computer typing out this story, I can't help but feel like my life doesn't make any sense. I've gone through so much in such a short time the blood moon, my parents turning in the monsters, the creepy mental health center with its shadowy figures lurking in the corners. It's all so confusing and overwhelming, and I feel like I'm trapped in some kind of nightmare. I don't know who to trust or where to turn. The kind man who saved me still doesn't tell me who he is or where he came from. He avoids contact with me as much as possible, and I'm starting to wonder if he thinks I'm crazy too. I kept getting the sense that someone or something is watching me. I feel like I'm in danger, but I don't know from what. My life doesn't make any sense, and I don't know how to make it right again. If you ever see a branchless oak tree, walk away. Excluding some tropical species such as coconut and banana trees. No tree can survive long without branches. And yet, defying all explanation, I saw a pair of branchless oak trees in the summer of 2015. When I use the word branchless, I'm not referring to a stump or a tree that shed its leaves during the winter. I'm talking about two 15-foot tall tree trunks, both sporting identical pointed peaks and surfaces of jagged bark no branches or leaves. No severed branch stumps on the bark that would indicate the old oaks had ever been anything other than monolithic plants. Bizarre, I chuckled. Not necessarily riveting dinner talk, I know. Believe me, I wouldn't be recounting the tale if it had ended there. I chose to follow the overgrown footpath between the two pillars of bark, rather than the well-maintained public footpath which led far away from the ominously bare trunks. I've always been a contrarian, so I suppose I wanted to sedate my hunger ego by taking the less trotted path. I'm no tourist, I inwardly scoffed. Hubris always comes before the fall. Or, as my son would say, I have succumbed to main character energy. I wish I'd taken the popular path. I waded through the leaves and moss, and the undergrowth crunched beneath my walking boots. I had no intended destination in mind. I was just looking for somewhere to set up my base camp. I knew how to retrace my steps. I saw no harm in taking a mystery trail. From time to time, I simply like to separate myself from the world. I venture onto solo camping trips to clear my head. My wife and children don't take much interest in nature. So it's not that I purposefully exclude them, frankly, I thank God that they weren't with me on this particular trip. While camping in the middle of the clearing, I was awoken by rustling sounds outside my tent. I tried to ignore them, squeezing my eyelids together and angrily attempting to force myself back to sleep. Frustration quickly turned to fear. The noises that engulfed my tent were unlike anything I had ever heard. High-pitched squeals, similar to trainer souls squeaking against a hardwood floor, were emitted from every direction. Heart racing at a tremendous pace. I sat upright and stared at the fragile wall of material that was separating me from whatever undefiable things were out there. Very little moonlight reached the clearing. Thankfully, so that the shadows danced in the outer fabric of my tent were indistinguishable. That made it easier to tell myself the creatures were simply foxes they weren't foxes. I knew that. I used string to build a makeshift lock for my zipper on my tent. I didn't want anything opening my door to my vulnerable fortress. After that, I laid down and waited. The piercing, yipping noises eventually died down, but I couldn't immediately fall asleep. I intended to stay awake all night, but I must have eventually passed out. I think terror could do that to a person. In the morning, I planned to leave the haunting woods and go home. You can imagine my horror when I unlocked my tent door and found that I was no longer in the forest clearing. My tent had been moved while I slept. More horrifyingly than that, I found myself stuck in a thick cluster of branchless trees. As far as the eye could see, I was surrounded by those eerily wrong oak trunks. I instantly packed my tent and belongings. I weaved between the densely packed trees of the new branchless forest in which I found myself. No luck. I had completely lost my bearings. I had no idea where I had been taken. The branchless forest was the same in every direction. All I could see was endless bark, and when the sun began to fall below the tip of the treetops, I realized I had let the wintry day slip away from me. Night was approaching quickly. But that wasn't what terrified me most. The horde's squeals had returned. As the sun dipped lower and lower, the squeals multiplied and loudened. Before long, the sounds was accompanied by rustling bushes. Panic turned me to stone. My walking slowed, and I started to believe I would never leave the forest. I was unbelievably happy when I found the stream, my saving grace. I couldn't find it on my map, but I didn't have time to think about the horrifying implications of that fact. Every stream had to lead somewhere, even in a dense landscape or alien trees. I had no idea which way to walk, so I followed the stream east. Trying divertly to ignore the canopy of squeals and rustling shrubbery, I pressed onwards. I was stumbling around in complete darkness at this point, guided only by the dim light of my cheap torch. After an hour of walking, I finally found something promising. A cave. I didn't plan on entering it, but I welcomed any sort of landmark that could break the monotony of ceaseless tree trunks. My victorious moment was short-lived, however, as I was interrupted by small pattering sounds from behind me. I quivered as I twisted around and moved my torchlight towards the source of the sound, finding myself gazing upon a terrifying gaggle of two dozen tiny humanoid creatures. Each one was about 30 centimeters tall, had two ant-like feelers in lieu of eyes, and brandished a ghoulish set of black fangs. Each one had four vaguely human arms, along with two vaguely human legs. As they walked towards me, they dropped forwards and used all six limbs to scurry like insects. I backed away incredibly slowly, almost too petrified to move. My torch shook violently in my near-numb hand. In a flood of sound and a flash of rapid movement, one of the fiendish things charged for my leg and made quick work of snaking around it. I screamed as the creature began to constrict my limb, cutting off its circulation. The creature's friends released a chorus of seemingly jubilant squeals. I didn't wait for the others to join their brave leader. I ferociously punted the trend-setting creature with the rear of my torch, and it hissed in pain, uncoiling from my leg. Body-shaken in horror, I seized the small window of opportunity and started sprinting towards the cave mouth. The six-limbed monstrosities pursued me, rapidly closing the gap between us. I was expecting them to devour me at the entrance of the black chasm I was approaching. They didn't. As I fell into the nothingness of the cave, I turned around to look at the now stationary group of horrifying ant people. They were just standing at the entrance of the cave and watching. It was as if they were too afraid to step inside, and I really should have paid more attention to that. A hiss, like a sand timer being flipped upside down, "'erupted from the deepest point of the cavernous pit. "'I shuddered, but I realized I had two options. "'I could either face my certain death "'from the ant people at the door of the cave, "'or I could risk whatever laid in wait. "'There wasn't really a choice, but I chose the latter. "'My torch barely illuminated a few yards in front of me, "'so I was mostly wandering in pitch blackness. "'The hissing creature was suddenly entirely silent.' The only sound in the cave was that of my echoing footsteps. Even the ant people had ceased their squealing. What did they fear in the heart of that dreadful place? That was when I saw it. The cave itself was not particularly big. It was more of a room than a home. And I stumbled into the room of the ghastliest thing I had ever seen. The ant people paled in comparison my torchlight could scarcely do justice to the enormous being before me. In the very far corner of the cave, about 100 feet from the entrance, was a 10-foot-tall insect. Actually, no, I didn't think it was an insect. More like the ant people, it possessed some characteristics of certain insects and arachnoids, but this creature was a beast unto its own. This thing was essentially just six hairless legs, similar to those of a human, other than the length of the pointed ends instead of feet. At first glance, it seemed like a spider with two missing limbs, but I quickly noticed that the creature had no discernible body. Its body was its legs. The thing had no head. Its six limbs met to a central point, but there was no indication of a torso that would contain organs or sensory tools. Yet the creature certainly lived, And it certainly sensed me. Its horrifying six legs started to tentatively crawl towards the source of the torchlight. I wasn't going to wait around for another monster to seize my body and devour it. I scanned the walls of the cave, looking for a hiding spot. In the other back corner, there was a cluster of rocks. If I could just crawl in there, I might be out of reach, I thought. I sprinted at the speed I didn't know I could reach. The six-legged thing hurled after me, its limbs making a horrific clicking sound as they galloped across the stones beneath them. Diving for a gap behind the rocks, I crawled out of the reach and shone my torchlight onto the creature which laid beyond my rocky fortress. The thing unleashed a menacing howl and proceeded to jab the sharp ends of its fleshy limbs at the holes between the rocks. Fortunately, the rocks shielded me, but the wait until sunrise was unbearably long. As daylight began to fill the cave, I squinted through the cracks in my rocky wall, and I was fairly certain the ant people had vanished. I had a plan, but I only had one shot at making it work. Searching in my rucksack, I found what I needed. A flare. I just had the hope that it would scare away the six-legged thing that was attempting to turn me into minced meat. Not pausing to make any more plans or rethink my decision, I lit up the flare. It worked. The creature wailed in terror, backing away into its original corner of the cave to escape the scorching blaze of the flare in my hand. I hurriedly scrambled free of the rocky fortress, keeping the flare in front of me, and I ran out to the entrance of the creature's den. I was determined not to spend another day in that nightmarish forest. I followed the stream the other way. After hours and hours of walking, I finally found something that briefly stifled the fear in my heart. I found trees with branches and leaves. Recognizing my surroundings, I managed to retrace my steps and find the original overgrown path that I followed through the two branchless trees. The trees that started that mess... I never talked about this incident to anyone. I couldn't find that forest of branchless trees, the stream, or the cave on any map. I don't know how I stumbled upon it. I don't know how I escaped from it. I only know one thing. If you ever see a branchless oak tree, walk away.